Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Money Mitch Effect. My name is Mitch Michaels, and thank you for joining me on this sports podcast where we have a lot to talk about. We're into late May, Memorial Day weekend coming up. I'm going to talk to Sean Sullivan about the drama in the college football offseason between Nick Saban, his former assistant, current Texas A&M coach Jimbo Fisher, the NIL debate, Lane Kiffin getting involved. It's messy. It's very, very entertaining. We talk some Stanley Cup playoff hockey, the Battle of Alberta, Connor McDavid putting on a show, Tampa Bay looking for a three-peat, Pat Maroon a four-peat. We break down some college baseball with his balls doing well and uh, just take you around the sports world. And then I talk to Josh Whitten talking golf, the PGA Championships, the dramatic ending to that one with Justin Thomas coming back and winning his second major title. And we talk a little hoops as well. It's Sean Sullivan and Josh Whitten on the Money Mitch Effect. Let's start the show. All right, now on the Money Mitch Effect, you know Miss Sully, Sean Sullivan, coming in here uh, to talk a lot of different things. Sully, glad to have you back on the show. Um, there is a couple of different ways we can start with, but uh, it's weird to be going college football right out of the gate, but this offseason, man, it's been pretty tough to beat. Oh, my God. It's been a WWE wrestling match week after week after week, and now we got Lane Kiffin uh, chiming in this morning in an interview, so we'll get to that in a second. But, I mean, you get, you got to start with, with Jimbo versus Nick, the, the Stone Cold Steve Austin versus The Rock uh, modern-day rivalry going on. And, my goodness, I, what, what – yeah, what a uh, gift in the middle of the office. It's a it's a huge gift. Um, there's like a micro and macro conversation here. I think Lane was more on the macro side, but in the in the micro like intimate setting here, Saban and Jimbo just don't like each other. I think that's the first thing that this just kind of just sure. un, unleashes. And we'll start with Saban first because he definitely lashed out. He acted like he didn't really know that it was a big deal when obviously it was a big deal. You take just a, a, a huge shot at a rival at another school like that for losing the top recruit by saying that AM basically buys their players. It's just fascinating to me because, Sully, it's not that Saban hates all of his former assistants. This is just one guy that obviously has pissed him off throughout the years, and you can kind of tell that this is more than an NIL debate of policy this is just two guys that can't stand each other and want to see each other fail essentially 100 percent. and college football is so much better when you have uh people spouting off like this i it, it, and of course we had the old ball coach the the king <laughs> yeah. of talking trash send his 10 cents into this this argument saying you know i what, did Saban say anything wrong and did, did he did, did he say anything wrong and it, 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 the SEC hasn't been the same since he left, basically. We really haven't had a provocateur. And, of course, Lane Kiffin does his you know, popcorn celebration, but it really doesn't back it up that much. These two, these two back it up. And, it, it, of course, you, you shadow over this, this argument, A&M winning last year. My goodness, this is, there's a reason why CBS came out and slotted their 8 o'clock time slot today for the, the A&M Bama game because, yeah, these guys hate each other, and it's way deeper than IL, but I, I think you could tell the tides are shifting a little bit and, and Saban's nervous when he does spout off like this. This isn't yeah. something you normally have seen him do throughout his career, and he's, a, and, you know, Jimbo, Jimbo said it, He's in front of his boosters, trying to trying to whip up a paycheck. And yeah, if I'm if I'm a head coach 
trying to whip up a whip up a a, a quick fundraising drive, I I start a war with um, <laughs> one of my bigger enemies. That line by Jimbo about you know some people think they're God was just great like that. Amazing, <laughs> just amazing. Now the Spurrier take you mentioned. I mean everything's legal and we'll get to the NIL thing in a second, but I do think that Jimbo's going to have to like, not just beat Saban, which he did huge accomplishment last year, but it's going to have to actually win something meaningful at A&M, you know, For like sure. get to an SEC title game because it's great and all. And you know, as well as anyone, A&M kind of sneaky, maybe not so much recently. It's pretty much tough, impossible to beat their boosters. Like they can go money for money yeah. with anybody. Hundred percent, yeah. I mean, everything's bigger in, in Texas, as they as they say. And, and holy smokes, the the money is ginormous uh, down there for the Aggies, as well as the Longhorns coming in. Obviously, we all know that story. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, you have fifty thousand kids going to school every year, and this year alumni base is one of the biggest in the country. It's ginormous, and they're 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 a shade of Fulte down there, where you know you got you got your midnight yell practice and and they're wiping out their checkbooks as soon as they graduate so it, it it's a machine um that jimbo's got going on down there and i think it's coming you know i, I think it's it's when you recruit at a level like he is right now you, you see with georgia that's been knocking on the door but never really got to that number one recruiting class level until kirby got got there and yeah a&m is there now and it's 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 only a matter of time, really, before he he went he went to the West. So the Lane Kiffin comments this morning, I'm, I'm assuming you're referring to the one where he basically said we're essentially a professional sport. Yeah, but, professional yeah. sport, and and there's there's three tiers of NIL teams, and there's one to ten, and then there's ten to about twenty five, and then there's everybody else. So and and he said the the higher you get. The, the the more shady it gets, basically. I, I think that, um, I, I mean, this is where I'll say, obviously we're not involved in the day-to-day of running these programs now with NIL, but I feel like it, mm-hmm. this is like the, I don't want to say trial, but this is like the wild, wild west stage of this. Like, ultimately, I think this is a good thing, but we still have to collectively college football, when I say we, figure it out. Mm-hmm. And there's trial and error. There's a lot happening. There's There's not a lot of regulations that will be put in place here. So I think this right. is the time period where it's going to be kind of chaotic, which is great for us as the entertainment side of it. But I Perfect. think there's still there's still a lot to figure out with this. And I think that that's where the smart teams, the people that are ahead of the game, the people with the bigger bankroll, are going to have success early. I think in 10 years, 5 years even, NIL is probably going to look drastically different. I agree with you. And, and I mean, we, we have – we could – we pointed fingers on your show before towards towards Mark Emmert and the NCAA about dragging their feet for decades on this issue. So we've done that before. We won't rehash that, but you're right. I think there is an opportunity to curve it back a little bit. And, and they're certainly trying to put a little bit of the toothpaste back in the tube with recent uh, decisions to try to um, separate boosters um, from and, and collectives from the coaches and the programs. But then again, you have state, sponsored law state laws going through Tennessee and the zoo and Texas where you're either going down a level going to high school level like in Texas or you're making it legal with collectives and boosters to talk to people involved in the athletic program so which law is going to stand is it the NCAA or is it going to be the state of Tennessee so there's still I mean this 
Wild Wild West is a perfect mm-hmm. way to put it. I, yeah. I would say we're, we're, we're going to be closer to 10 years figuring this out than five. I think when it gets figured out, whatever the, the end game is, it will probably be better for the competitive landscape. I also think there's just a natural reaction, regardless of if you're rich. Like, it's probably like now we're in the just throw money stage. I think there's going to yeah. be great return on investment. There's going to be bad return on investment. And I think that's going to shape the landscape for the better when people are more selective with who, who gets, you know, certain deals and whatnot. And we're already seeing transfers and situations where players are going like the pit kid going to USC for a better op- option. We've also seen the flip mm-hmm. side of that where Florida state loses someone who was unhappy about his NIL payout or, or whatnot. So I just think right. we can't expect Rome to be built in a day is my greater point on this whole thing. No, and and it's it's, but the we we could have built Rome over the last. Well, yeah, years, I mean, right? yeah, I understand that side of it, but like, what's done is done. We're moving forward, and like, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure, moving forward, and I I, I would rather it be wide open, crazy like this than than the previous. That's easy for me to say as a Tennessee fan with a, with a, a militant uh, collective that is, that is going out and strong arming people with yeah. some big ass offers. So that is easy for me to say. But I, I, as just a college football fan, I want somebody different in the mix. You know, yeah. it's been the same. It's been the same handful of teams, and we've we've talked about it before. How it, it's the parity isn't there, and it's funny when you have. Two weeks ago, Nick Saban talking about we need more parity, we need more parity, we need more parity. And then he goes on and craps on two schools that are bringing parity to the very sport you're complaining about. You know? With, mm-hmm. It's so funny the, 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 the juxtaposition between those two comments where he's talking about one side of his mouth when he's around a golf course with a bunch of TV <laughs> cameras in his face and he's saying we need more parity and then he goes in front of the boosters and craps on Jackson, Jackson State has never gotten a number one recruit before. That's awesome to see. Love to see that. That's brand new. It's fresh. Keon's bringing uh, a, a highlight to HBCU uh, a program and, yeah. and just HBCUs as a whole. And that's amazing to see. And then on the flip side, A&M, new kids on the block in the SEC. And they just beat you. And it, it, sure, like you said, they have, they need to do something with, with more substance than just beat Alabama once. But – it's coming, and it's great for parity, and it's, this rivalry is great for parity, and the, the, and the, the boosters versus uh, the NCAA is a great rivalry too, and it, it's 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 pure madness. Um, oh, yeah, in the in the middle of May, and I, I love it. <laughs> it's great, man. I, I love it too. Uh, last thing on college football, what jumped out at you with the schedule release? I know I'm looking at uh, you know the Notre Dame team coming into Columbus, but some good, some good stuff right off the gate. You know, Miami A and M. I mean, there's some some good, tasty matchups. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you got, of course, the Notre Dame uh, Ohio State game in the shoe. A couple of our buddies are going to be there, and that, that that'll be quite the quite the environment. And I mean, shoot, I don't know if Notre Dame's going to be able to get it done, but the, their fan base certainly is going to going to think they uh, they're going to they're going to have a shot. With they're fired up. Over over the new era in South Bend, week zero, baby, Vanderbilt at Hawaii. I mean, I can't, <laughs> That's can't a, is that at a that. high school stadium? It is at a high school stadium in Hawaii. I will be on the island, just the wrong island uh, for for that matchup. And I'm sure my girlfriend wouldn't wouldn't enjoy go, going watching a, a Vanderbilt game in a high school stadium in yeah. Hawaii. 
but um, yeah, no, it, pretty jam packed uh, first couple weeks here. It's Cincinnati at Arkansas is a very interesting game. I think Cincinnati coming off of their big, um, you know, grass glass ceiling busting season. Hoggies, very very talented team. Uh, Pittman's got those guys rolling, and they, I mean, it's 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 they're trying to look like A and M and take that next step. Um, so love that game. That's one of the more interesting games of the week one. Georgia Oregon, obviously on ABC. But as you mentioned, the Notre Dame Ohio State game. This one's the kind of little appetizer going into it. I don't know if it's going to be close. But hey, it, it's it's going to be two high-profile matchups or two high-profile teams in a matchup in Atlanta. So we'll be watching it. Um, and then Florida State LSU, Florida State, yeah, uh, coming off of uh, a, a rebuilding process the last couple of years. LSU certainly in a rebuilding year. Uh, two programs that would desperately want this win on Sunday night in prime time. Either kick off the Kelly era with a huge win over over a, a up and coming Florida State team, or you know get a real dose of reality here and see how far you got to climb. It's going to be fun, man. Can't wait for that. Uh, Sean Sullivan here on the Money Mitch Effect. We've also been you know taking interest in these NHL playoffs. Uh, I can't get enough mm-hmm. of the Battle of Alberta. It's just Canadian chaos. You have the Blue Collar Edmonton town taking on. Basically, what I heard Barry Melrose refer to as the as the Dallas of Alberta in Calgary, mm-hmm. and uh, it's been great. Chaotic fans are loving it, hating each other. Scoring, uh, scoring from opposite lines dude, last night. It's just it, it's it's downtown insane. Judy Brown. Yeah, downtown Judy Brown. Edmonton's up three one, and uh, we're getting the best player in the world, one of the best, if not the best, athletes in the world, and Connor McDavid making a deep run finally. So. It's been good. That's what's caught my eye of uh, the hockey playoffs, but the drama's been there night in, night out. Oh, yeah, and and it, you just love playoff hockey, and you, you can't beat you – you already had rivalries. Of course, the Panthers didn't quite show up to that one rivalry, but uh, we still have the Battle of Alberta going down. Um, and then Canes Rangers looking like they, they're probably going to go to seven. Um, and then uh, whoever comes out of the, the Battle of Alberta probably going to be the Oilers against the Avalanche. Oh, my God. That's great. That's going to be a tasty series. That would be so fun, McKinnon and McDavid. Uh, you know, the Panthers didn't show up. They showed up in Tampa, just not at the hockey rink, you know. Yeah, they definitely showed up in Tampa uh, from all reports. <laughs> hey, how about how about Tampa going for a three-peat? How about Patrick Maroon going for a four-peat? I mean, that, that guy Maroon, baby. scoring the game winner oh, in the clinching double. game, too. Love yeah. it. Love that guy. Absolute legend. And uh, I, 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 I love that he's he's on this tear, but I'm, I'm ready for new blood to win this thing. Yeah, it's Vasilevsky's such a beast, though, man. The guy just, I mean, six mm-hmm. out of seven clinching games have been shutouts. The other was one goal. I mean, he's just locking it. That's Marty Berner. Yeah, it is. Dude, okay. I mean. I saw Rick Tockett, uh, the TNT analyst, former coach for a couple teams, put him on his Mount Rushmore with Brodeur, Waugh, and Hasek. And, you know, I mean, Ken wow. Dryden's up there, too. Look, he's yep. not that far off if he's not on there already. I mean, he's in rarefied air. And if he wins again this year, that's three. And then you're starting to compare him with the guys who have three. So Have three. Yeah. Exactly. This is, so he's, you know, he's, really, 
he's in he's in rare rare fighters a very very good way to put it and the rangers unfortunately for you keeping it going that was the other one they're, the, the guard yeah i know they're, they're stomping they're, they're stomping them four one crazy that wasn't fun to watch yeah crazy carolina can't win a road game you know they're two two they look like two completely different teams uh but that home ice in carolina and raleigh oddly enough that that southern hockey market provides them with a hell of a home crowd advantage. Exactly, and it turns into a slop fest the first two games, and they just they, they battle it out and get a dub at home, two one, two nothing. And then they go up to New York, and it's a completely different team. You're right. Been, it's, they need it. They need to figure it out here in Game Five because I, I cannot have the Rangers going to the to the conference finals here. What last thing on hockey? How locked in are you are to the Worlds and your uh, potential Devils draft pick? Oh my God! Uh, Looks I can't good. Even pronounce his name yet, but he's he's scoring goals left and right. He's sure scoring goals left and right. We have even Siegenthaler lighting up the lamp over there. <laughs> Honestly, as a Devils fan, you're more excited about the Worlds right now than the playoffs <laughs> with the Rangers going on a run. <laughs> but with Stanley Cup playoffs, yeah. I'm watching the I'm watching the Worlds, man. Come on. Yeah, getting that top two is huge. Locking in that pick mm-hmm. there. Worlds are always a fun time. Uh, Sully, I think we can wrap with this. I know the other thing you're locked into is baseball, and that's not pro, yeah. but that's college. And uh, this is the like. I don't want to put any pressure on you, but this is the year. Like, the, it's never shaped yeah. up better for the Vols, and I know you never. got a lot of guys that are going to be, you know, taking their pro career to the next step. This has mm-hmm. to feel like the year for Vol baseball. It, it absolutely is, and it's been it's been a four year process. Tony Vitello coming in twenty eighteen, incredible job. He's going to be the national coach of the year, and just a, just a few stats for you to to to, to tout the Vols resume. We have two guys going for Todd Helton's all-time career home run record, and that's not even the craziest stat. The Vols have hit more home runs this year than they have allowed runs, which is just I don't I don't know if that's ever happened in college baseball, and if it has, I I would love to see it. And this is you're also talking about a team that has gone into Gainesville to get a sweep, gone into Nashville to get a sweep, went into went into both Mississippi schools one defending national champion and got a sweep. It's it's been an absolutely unprecedented year. Super excited, but then again, you haven't had a number one overall seed win the national championship since nineteen ninety nine. So they got their work cut out for him and that's the great thing about college baseball. That once you get down to those final sixteen to eight teams, yeah. shoot. Good luck. Yeah, I saw the end of that Kentucky Florida game, was it, the other night? Or, the play uh, at the plate. Uh, yeah, Florida, South Carolina. Florida, South Carolina. Okay, right. Play at the plate, drop yes. ball, it, 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 and there's they do a great job on ESPN and ESPN Plus. It's the best six bucks you could spend, in my opinion, mm-hmm. with hockey and college baseball going on. Yeah, um, but they, they they have a whip around, and I would highly recommend anybody that just wants to have something on in the background as we go through these regionals. They they have you know, there's like sixty games going on, and they're whipping around all these bonkers crazy games going on and, and there, there's a witching hour there where you have drop balls at, at plays at the plate and extra innings going on on multiple screens and hard to beat hard to beat a tournament wise you know you got you got march madness and then i would put this tournament right behind it as far as college sports go yeah man i, I would also say as somebody that didn't really it doesn't really watch a lot of college baseball or just kind of checks in checks out the drama's been there that's something that you know the, exactly. the, the the hatred for each other, especially in these conference games, 
is tough to beat. And you are seeing parity in this sport that you don't see in other sports. Mississippi State's not even – they didn't even make, what, the SEC tournament this year? And they won the title last year? Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that, how how weird of a <laughs> of a both years back-to-back, you never see that. National champion did not even making your conference tournament. So, yeah, parity's there. And then, and then tonight, everybody tune in. You got uh, uh, Vanderbilt, the Whistlers taking on the Tennessee Volunteers ginormous rivalry. Last time they played, there was, there was a batting sticker incident where both teams were barking at each other. Tony Vitello was tossed, Tennessee's head coach. And Tim Corbin and Vitello do not like each other. These teams don't like each other. And it's going to be a late-night game, probably around a 9.30 Eastern opening pitch tonight, maybe. There's been a lot of weather at Hoover. So it's going to be another late night wacky fest in Alabama, and I I can't wait. I got I got my bib ready, I got my popcorn ready, ready to dive in. <laughs> Bib's ready, Sully's ready to go. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, we'll be checking back in. I'm sure uh, you might have a national title in your cover the next time we talk. So we'll see. Omaha's going to be Ooh, fun this year. I got my flights out there just well, for the natty. He's ready so this we'll year. See. Sean Sullivan, thanks for coming on the Money Mitch Effect. Thanks for having me, good sir. All right, huge thanks to Sean Sullivan. Big, big discussion with him as he is ready for the college baseball playoffs. He's going back to Omaha, hoping his balls do well. And uh, we're both locked into these Stanley Cup playoffs. A lot of drama left. Let's uh, let's see how it shakes up. All right, now I'm talking to Josh Whitten. It's time to talk some golf, the PGA Championships. It started out a little slow in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and then it was a firecracker finish. We break down the game. Tiger Woods, what's next for him? Is there a rival tour coming up and we break that down as well some hoops talk it's josh Wynn now on the money mitch effect all right now joining the show welcoming him back to the podcast talk some more golf pretty much my golf expert at this point josh Wynn. Uh, <laughs> josh thanks for coming the uh, pgas were you know in your new region of the country not quite texas but oklahoma but uh, it started out slow and we ended up getting a, a drama filled final round Pretty exciting to see uh, JT come through with being seven shots back to start the day. But, you know, he knew there weren't a ton of players in front of him and some inexperience at the top of the leaderboard, which we saw come down in the 72nd hole um, with the brutal uh, yeah. hit ball into the water there for Pereira. But, uh, yeah, only a couple hours away. Lindsay and I were thinking about going up there, but just too much stuff going on. Um, and it was hot. The weather was crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, it's been hot here for the last month. It was in the 90s. Uh, I don't know if you saw that post-round interview with all the players and mm-hmm. Tiger specifically on Friday when he rallied to make the cut. He was dripping in, in that interview. And then the next day, it's 55 degrees in the morning when they're teeing off. So uh, definitely here in the Midwest, or I guess, it's, sorry, I can't call it the South, mm-hmm. I can call it the Midwest. Yeah. But in the middle of the country, the weather's uh, definitely a factor, especially during these early summer months. But what a PGA, what a finish, and you know, good things to come for Will. He, he played great, and his record in the last in the eight majors he's played in is pretty spectacular. So, yeah, definitely a good young pro, and Will a lot of different storylines. But you mentioned something with JT: seven shots back, a remarkable come from behind win in this major. But do you think mentally, looking at how he is and how golfers are, that it was probably what what you said in, in the sense that there weren't that many people? Like it wasn't the score necessarily, but there just weren't that many bodies in his way? Because I think sometimes that could be uh, as much of a mental hurdle as the actual number. 
Yes. Uh, I, I think that w- was instrumental in, in him knowing that the, the night before, you know, apparently there was a great combo that Bones, his caddy, Jim McKay had with him before or after Saturday's round. And, you know, he went in Sunday knowing, and he, you know, look at the leaderboard. He shot three under the best score of anybody else uh, that was ahead of him. And, um, and he just, it had been five years, dude, since he won his last major. So that, that's a long time. And, you know, he's been successful. He's had great success over the last five years. But And he's the top ten player in the world. But he knew uh, that that he could do it. And yeah. I think having Bones on the bag really helped him. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if he rattles off a few in, in succession here. He's um, such a great player and has probably the best caddy on tour on his bag. And and that's another story we can get to in a little bit, but, uh, but yes, I, I think knowing Mitch that, that coming in that he didn't have 20 players in front of him, mm-hmm. that he was in a good frame of mind. It's pretty, it's pretty insane too, to think about, you know, it's been five years. He's still under 30. Uh, he won a PGA yeah. in 2017 and the way he played, I mean, obviously you need a break. He played well but he definitely needed some help and he got it but when he got to that playoff against Zalatoris he played without fear and I think that's part of what separates him he's got the Tiger influence and he actually you know lives it out a lot of people say they want to be like Tiger but I actually see flashes of what makes what one of the things that made Tiger so good was just his ability to play fearless in the pressure moments and that's what JT did in the playoff and I want to see maybe not a dominant run like a like a somebody that's so far ahead of everybody, but I want to see dominant players and with Scheffler doing well. And now JT, hopefully he's back in the mix. I didn't mind seeing somebody at the top of the game, collect another major in this case. No, I think that's a great point. And I think you hit the nail on the head there with, you know, the tiger instinct. And you got to believe that, that his relationship with tiger and, and all that he's been able to soak up in his, you know, practice rounds at the masters over the last few years. And, just the relationship down in Jupiter together is, has been beneficial for him. And I think that's going to help his mental side. And, um, you know, the sky's the limit for this kid. He's got that fire in him that, you know, he wants to be the best. And, yeah, you made a great point that, that Scotty's right there with him. And, shoot, last year we were talking all talking about Rom. And, you know, he had yeah, it's um, nice. the, the crop's baby, deep. so he's probably a little bit distracted. But I mean, there's a lot of good. Yeah, there's a lot of good golfers out here at the top, and it's nice to see that we've kind of got a you know a group that's separating themselves a little bit. So I do like to, I definitely like to see yeah. that, and I would love to see Will Zalatoris join the uh, join the mix. I mean, you mentioned his performance at majors has been as consistent as just about anyone. The issues he has with his putter now he's going to have to fix, obviously, but. The kid's a fighter, and making that last putt on 18 when it was going completely wrong on the greens like all week, you know, I, I like to see kind of the instincts that, you know, and the guts that these guys have, and Zalatoris definitely has that, and, and I think, you know, you never know for sure, Josh, but it seems like his time will come. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, he, uh, another Texan uh, from where I am um, currently, and he is fearless. And like you said, if he gets that that putter hot, um, I, I don't really trust these guys that anchor it to their arm or you know have these with the claw grip. I mean, he's all over the map, and you can tell he's not taking it back straight back and straight through. He, he's really, really mentally troubling. But he did clutch up on 18 there, and 
You know, uh, it would have been great to see, even with um, Pereira's shot in the water on 18, he was, you know, an inch away from birdieing 17 there. Mm -hmm. And uh, just going back real quick to what you said about JT's, you know, go for broke attitude, him laying up on the first playoff hole and making birdie was incredible. And then he steps up to that drivable par four and hits the three wood onto the green to 20 feet and two putts for birdie there. And that's the kind of thing that these, these kids, they are fearless. And Will has that same, you know, go for broke style. He, he played the playoff in one under and lost. And his comments after were just, were just great. You know, Hey, I thought one under would win. Yeah. <laughs> and it yeah. you know, unfortunately didn't, but he's right there and he keeps putting himself in those positions. He's down to break through and, uh, and um, just another young American that hopefully will be up at the top for a long time. And just, us winning a President's Cups haven't been an issue, but Ryder Cups for years to come. Yeah, I like Zalatoris and uh, Scheffler. We're, you know, 14 for Zalatoris, 13 for Scheffler. They won U.S. Amateur Championships, so they're, they've got the pedigree and they know how to win big tournaments. We have to get mm-hmm. to the unfortunate side of golf is uh, the Mito Pereira story. Played great all oh. week. Was is a new pro has been grinding to get to this point. Not you know not a not a old guy at all either. Still twenty seven years old, but from Chile gets to this point. You never know if you're going to get to this point again. And you mentioned the shot on seventeen. He's winning. That would have been a two hole cushion. Every one of us, I think, casual golf fans or diehards, were thinking, okay, just bogey eighteen, give us a playoff. And you know, unfortunately, it's the double bogey. It was a disaster right off the tee. Uh, it's an unfortunate heartbreak for him. He handled everything after with class. It did seem, though, to me, Josh, like, and again, I could be way off, but he kind of rushed that tee like it was, you know, I know that it's, you don't want to let the moment get too big, but he hit that thing off the tee so fast. It was like, whoa, he's in trouble right away. I was a little surprised by that, but ultimately you have to feel for him. A hundred percent. And it's funny in reading and seeing what happened on the broadcast afterwards, he hit the shot so fast that CBS didn't have the shot tracker on it or set up mm-hmm. to, to, to record. So um, they did actually, you know, scramble and do a good job of, of telling the story there with the pictures and having that kind of shaky but reverse angle camera of the ball going into the water. Mm-hmm. But you're right. I mean, who knows what nerves were coursing through his body at that point. Bum that he just missed out on the birdie on 17. But um, excited to have this one-stroke lead going into 18 and – man, it all just disappeared there. And it, it's so hard to make a bogey after going to the water. He gave himself a chance, but um, that chip was brutal. It didn't break and went off the green. And then just the comebacker for pit, pit shot comebacker was, wasn't to be. But, you know, his buddy and best friend on tour, Joaquin Neiman, won at Riviera earlier this year. And it's great to see these international young players, like you just mentioned, really, you know, making this the global game that it is similar to tennis, which we both love. Um, but there are kids around the world now that grew up watching tiger and, and idolizing him and seeing the success he had. And it's really playing out and it has over the past yeah. few years and majors with Matsuyama and Ram and, you know, seeing mm-hmm. these um, South Americans get up on the leaderboard and succeeding, you know, th- this is the first time anybody, pretty much anybody had heard of Pereira and um, he's, I don't think going to go away anytime soon. And um, like I said, the success that his his contemporaries have had is only going to spur on golf in South America, which is, you know, a a really 
important aspect mm-hmm. to, to growing the game globally. It sure is. Uh, I just keep thinking of that quote that uh, Zalatoris had when he talked about golfing in Texas with uh, Tony Romo, who's had a pretty good amateur run as well. And he said that he can, he said he can play, you know, on, on a holes, he can hit just as far. He can hit greens and all that stuff. He's like, the difference with the pros is, okay, I'm going to put you behind a tree and I'll save par from here. You know, it's just yeah. fighting your way through and keeping that low number intact. But ultimately, just like everybody else, they can have one bad hole and it costs them everything. Uh, so yeah, we're rooting for him to kind of get back, Mito Pereira. Uh, I did want to ask you one last thing on this tournament. He referenced him. Tiger Woods makes the cut. He rallies, doesn't have a good third round, and then uh, withdraws. Thoughts on his level, uh, fitness, which is obviously the big thing coming off of the injury and what you saw from Tiger this week. Well, it was great to see him fight through. I mean, the dude made the cut when Scheffler didn't, DJ didn't, Cantlay didn't. So, you know, he's still got it in there, but he's obviously still hurting. I mean, his no comment, growl, or grunt to Amanda, uh, I want to say Balionis, but it's Renner now, um, Mm -hmm. after the round on Friday was very telling. And, you know, I doubt he'll be there in Massachusetts at the U.S. Open, but I know he really wants to play at the home of golf for the 150th Open Championship uh, in July. So hopefully uh, his rehab and everything goes well the next few months. And, you know, it's going to be probably chilly like it always is in, in Scotland. And uh, you never know what the, what the weather's like going to be over there. But it, it is promising to see him fight his butt off. And after being outside the cut line, I think he was after 13 or 12 um, to play two under coming in and shoot that 69 was, was awesome. I mean, it's not vintage tiger because he made some mistakes that he really uh, normally didn't back in the day, but that's just reps and he just doesn't have the body any longer to, uh, to be able to practice as long as he used to. And he said that dozens of times, he's never going to admit he's injured. He's never going to admit he's mm-hmm. hurting, but um yeah. But it was it was great to see him make the weekend. Sunday was like I mentioned earlier. It was, I mean, freezing cold, but it was a thirty degree gap between what it was Friday night and Saturday morning. So um, it, it was probably hard on his body. Yeah. And he, like I said, he never is going to admit it. But who knows if his back was hurting? Because when it's hotter, it's a lot easier to play, a lot easier to loosen up and and get ready. But he also had an early tea time Saturday. I think it was eight a.m. He teed off. Mm-hmm. and was probably up at four in the physio trailer doing all his pregame rituals. Um, but it, it's just any tournament he plays in amplifies it that much more, and all the guys are stoked to be there, and they want to beat him. And when yeah. three of the top ten players in the world don't make the cut, and Tiger does, it's no, pretty telling that this dude is it's, a, and not human. It's true, and, and I do think that uh, you know he still has a level in – in rounds and fighting and in making sure like we were referencing before getting that low number and keeping it going. But it's a fair worry to have that I have that in four rounds in a major in different elements, you know, when he goes across the pond, we've seen weather, we've seen inclement weather there for sure. That's the problem that I think he's going to have at his age with the miles on him. And the injury is, you know, he, it is a grind. I mean, we, we can laugh and joke about it not being a physical sport, but golf can be physical at times with that. And I think that's going to be the problem because in any round, in any hole, in any opportunity that he's out there to fight and compete, he will. Obviously, he wouldn't have even come back if that wasn't an option because what does he have to prove? But I think that's yeah. the worry that you have is that 
health-wise, can he hold up for four rounds? For, you know, in the summer months especially, can he hold up? And I don't know. I mean, that's where it's like, what are our expectations for him? He's always he's always got that heart, and there's always the opportunity if it breaks right for him and, you know, the weather's good and the board, there isn't somebody playing out of their mind for sure. But that's going to be the worry is that can he go four rounds as opposed to just two? Yeah, and I think, you know, only 15 months out from the automobile accident, you know, still really strengthening that leg that had the compound fracture. And I, I think next year will be a different story, but I do think he tries to give it a go at St. Andrews. And I mean, he's already committed to the a, a two day charity event in, I, in Scotland or Ireland. I'm not positive where the, they play that. Um, but yeah. before that, so I doubt he's just going to go over for that. Um, mm-hmm. But it's a lot pending the weather. It's a much easier walk. It's not as hilly. Southern Hills was like Augusta, a very hilly course, and it takes a lot out of them. As you know, the Lynx courses in Scotland and Ireland and the British Isles are much flatter. So that's a good thing for him. And it's also two more months of rehab and two more months of strengthening that leg and and getting ready. I, I, I always want to think positive with him, but, you know, you make a great point that you have to put his together for four rounds, and he knows that. Mm-hmm. It, but on the other hand, he would never, ever, ever enter a tournament. And he said this since he was an amateur yep. without believing he can win. So in his crazy mind, yeah. and I think all of us would like to, to take a peek inside there someday, but um, he believed he could win. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he he's not in form enough and has, doesn't have the reps enough mm-hmm. to, you know, genuinely do that. But it's just great to see him compete and, and hopefully, like I said, we'll see him again in two months because I doubt we'll see him at Jack's place for the Memorial like he normally would go to or yeah. if he was healthy or at the U.S. Open, which uh, I, do, I doubt he'll be there. But we'll see. We'll see. Last golf thing for you. Um, are we really going to have a rival tour? I mean, that's that's what I want to know. Mm. Well, the, the first event's supposed to be coming up yeah. in England in a month so, or less than three weeks or something like that. We'll see what happens. Um, it was disappointing. And, and, you know, I think both Roy McElroy and Tiger Woods said it best last week that it was really sad to not see Phil there. I mean, he was defending champion um, despite what he said, whether his comments you disagreed or agreed with them. He does have the right to say them. And he might have said some controversial and uncouth things. But, you know, put that all aside. And he's still the PG, reigning PGA champion. And um, he's certainly brought a lot of backlash towards Norman and towards the whole thing. You heard last week Jack say that he was offered over $100 million to, to be the head of the tour. So mm-hmm. I do believe that Norman, just because he's so egotistical, that he wants to put something out there. It's not the product that um, that we all thought of at the beginning, but it right. sounds like he does have some players with Lee Westwood committing pretty much and Poulter and Sergio Garcia making those comments a couple weeks ago, bitching and complaining mm-hmm. about some rules and traction that he got imposed on him and saying, oh, I can't wait to be done with this place and never come back here. So, you know, I think he's going to have some players. It's not going to be anybody in the top 10 and anybody that really wants to chase the glory of the right. PGA tour and all the records that have been uh, compiled there from, you know, local boys here in, t- in Dallas, both of them. But uh, Byron Nelson and Hogan and then Palmer and Nicholas and Player and, and like all of all of 
I mean, all everyone in the world always wanted to come to the PGA Tour because that's the, where the best was. So yeah, if there might be a rival tour, it's not going to be the best. It's maybe some, like, a, yeah. Oh, hey, here's some also random, right. not some top players. But but who's going to? I mean, pay to watch yeah, that? What my, platforms are going to be exactly. on? Like my my thing well, with this whole thing is, and again, I'm coming at it as more of an outsider take. I understand that there are issues with the PGA Tour, much like there's issues with other yeah. sporting tours and commissions. I totally get that. Things might have to change. Things might need to change. But the way, I mean, you're going you're gonna to do it through this method. Like, this is not the hill to die on. This is not the way to go about it based on the people that you're dealing with. I understand that. And I'm not saying that, you know, I mean, there was a time, you know, a couple decades ago when a rival basketball league came up. I mean, it's possible that there could be mm-hmm. a, a, challenge, a challenge to it, but... This just seems like the complete wrong way to go about it. Just my opinion on everything. And you mentioned the glory and the prestige and what, like what the solution is to me is just money. Like you're not incentivizing any opportunities to compete, any title, any prestige, nobody in the top tens in it. It's just money. And that's where I think we got to, I guess, draw the line on what this, this rival tour really is. So my opinion on the whole. That's a great point. And you know, uh, another, I think you mentioned him briefly earlier. Um, but Jordan Spieth's been playing great, right? Mm-hmm. Came in second mm-hmm. place last week in, uh, or two weeks ago here in Dallas at the Byron Nelson. He made a comment last week that he said, if I win one more tournament my entire life, I want it to be this one because that would give him the grand slam. Yeah. So that's what it means to these guys to, to win on the PGA Tour. You know, it, that's how much it means and, and how records uh, mean to these people that play. And they want to be the best. Um, they want to face the best and put their name uh, up with the best. Not too many people have won the Grand Slam in golf. And mm-hmm. that it was a pretty telling comment from Jordan. Not I'll win five more Masters. I want to win this one yeah. to say I won the Grand Slam. Right. And that's, uh, you know, it doesn't happen in your sport that you cover daily in tennis too often either. And it's, mm-hmm. it's very difficult to do. And, you know, Pete always got slammed because he didn't win at, at Roland Garros. Yeah. But I still believe he's one of the best players to ever play the game. But some people won't even put him in that. Yeah. In, well, especially now anymore because well, he's gotten yeah, laughed by yeah. three guys. But but you know what I mean when I say that. Like it, it, what it takes to play on different surfaces and different tournaments in golf and tennis, respectively, it is something special. And it, it, not too many people have done it. And that goes to the point of not wanting to chase the money and get guaranteed paychecks every week, but to play in an awesome the only two sports in the world, tennis and, and golf, that, you know, if you don't play well, you don't win money. And I think that's a true testament to their athleticism and their uh, their will to win in their fight um, every week, week in and week out. Yeah. Josh Wooden here on the Money Mitch Effect. It was uh, a pleasure talking golf with you. Just two quick things before I let you go. One, it's unfortunate you're not in Paris, you know, like not being ah. the Paris correspondent this time of year. Checking in on whether Ego's going to win another major there. If we're going to get Nadal, Djokovic, the kid Alcaraz, I was, I was a little upset. You know, just reminiscing about the time you were the Paris correspondent. I did enjoy it, uh, having been there for the post the postponed pandemic one in October of 2020, and last year this time, taking selfies with Roger and uh, and having a good good old time. Paris is one of the best cities in the world, and. Uh, this tournament is so special and to be able to walk those grounds with very limited fans the past two years was, was pretty uh, special moment that I'll never, ever forget. And uh, popping in to see that match last year with Rafa and Joker 
where they made the comment. I know we talked about it on the pod last year, but the announcer, the PA announcer comes on and says, everyone's going to have to leave to get home for curfew. And they were going to riot in the stadium. And then Macron steps in and says, well, we'll give a pass to these people in the stadium. And they started chanting, allez, allez, Macron. Yeah, I think he got reelected. Yeah, I think he did get reelected because of that. But uh, yeah, what a special place. You got to get over there some year. And, uh, there for that um but you're right i mean ega is on fire and we'll see if nadal can somehow do it again um but it's a great time of year for the tennis calendar with this and then next month on the grass and at wimbledon and leading up through the summer series and mm-hmm. into um yeah so it is a great awesome time. time. It is a great time. I'll definitely be getting over there one of these years for sure. Um, and the last thing I had for you was that you're kind of you're almost in between a rock and a hard place with basketball because if it ends up being <laughs> if it ends up being Warriors Celtics, you got your hated Celtics versus oh my a Warriors team, the Bay Area of California, and also they'd be really approaching that dynasty, you know, status because if they win another ring, it's like oh, here we come. Absolutely. And I'm, I don't think I've ever been a bigger Heat fan in my life. Uh, I, I, it was great to see uh, the Mavs, I guess, hold on. When I left work, they were up 29, and then they were, all of a sudden were only up eight. So mm-hmm. they held on. They won the game last night in that brutal thunderstorm. Fortunately, they were playing indoors. Uh, but, uh, yes, it's going back to, um, I guess, San Francisco. They're not in Oakland anymore. But and you more than likely the Warriors are not going to lose at home. They haven't lost at home yet this postseason, so we'll see what happens. But you're right. I mean, if it's Warriors Celtics, it's probably the least. I mean, the the, the last thing I ever want to see. Oh, um, but uh, I'll just have to start watching your sport, hockey, and see if yeah. Big Jesus can win the cup and hoist the cup because he certainly deserves it. He's a phenomenal, incredible hockey player i mean wow yeah i'm telling everybody right now if it's colorado edmonton watch every minute you can of that series because it's going to be great but hey it's looking that way we'll see uh josh win thanks for coming on the show appreciate you breaking down golf as the expert you are we'll have to have you back thanks for coming on the program thank you mitch always appreciate it have a great one take care That's it for this week's show. Thanks again to Sean Sullivan and Josh Wynn for appearing as guests. As always, Tim Adams supplies the music, so shout out to him. And the artwork on the podcast that you see on your app is provided by my good friend Brian Nelson, so thanks to him as well. We will be back next week. More shows on this uh, network. We got the Stanley Cup playoffs to break down. The podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. Just click the link on search money Mitch effect on any of those apps and they'll pop right up. You can click the link and then leave a rating review, subscribe there. Check out the money Mitch effect Facebook page and follow me on Twitter at money Mitch M two one big summer coming up. We got the Stanley cup. As I mentioned, the NBA finals, more golf majors, some big UFC and boxing fights, baseball season going to be a great one. I cannot wait for Josh Wooden, Sean Sullivan. I am Mitch Michaels. This was the money Mitch effect. Thank you for listening and keep enjoying sports.